Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wellness Warriors, a Two Ropes podcast. I'm your host, Mike Tozer, hoping everyone out there is fighting the good fight for their own wellness and the wellness of others. Today, we're turning our attention to the wellness of law enforcement because for many years, there has been an increasing focus on their mental health due to the nature of their job and their interactions with the public. The Journal of American Medical Association surveyed 434 officers and found that 26% had reported current mental health symptoms. 12% of those officers had a lifetime diagnosis related to mental health. 17% of those had sought treatment in the previous 12 months. For the past several years, law enforcement has been implementing what is known as peer support programs in an effort to assist their officers' mental health. Today we have with us Lieutenant Kyle O'Brien of the Danville Police Department to tell us about the efforts being made in providing peer support programs for their department. Well, thanks for joining us today, Lieutenant O'Brien. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we're going to talk today about something that I think maybe a lot of people don't know about, even within uh, the police department and police departments or law enforcement all over the place, but it's peer support. It's a, it's a thing that has become more and more popular. I don't know if popular is the best word. It's like more and more utilized, I guess, or developed. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, what peer support is and um, what you have been doing to try to get it off the ground for the Danville Police Department? Yes, certainly. Um, so peer support in general and, and what we're trying to do at Danville, um, I guess we kind of recognized a need a few years ago um, when it comes to the well-being of our officers and the mental health side of, of law enforcement. Um, I, I think one thing that nobody talks about or nobody tells you about when you sign up for this job is kind of the lasting effect that, that a lot of these situations can have on you. And uh, it, it might not be right away. It might not be the day, day you're involved in a certain call or, or the night you're involved in that call. But, you know, these, these leave an impression on you. And for days or weeks or sometimes months afterwards, um, things might just might not be be going okay for you. And um, as police officers, I think historically, um, nobody has really known how to handle that. So what we wanted to do is, is make sure that we're offering uh, the most support that we can to our officers that are involved in, in these situations as far as uh, mental health benefits and, and what we can do um, for people that might, might be struggling to uh, kind of get through um, some of the critical incidents that we're involved in on, on a daily basis. Um, and what we found was um, we really weren't utilizing what is probably our, our best resource, which is other officers that have been through similar situations. Um, so that's essentially what peer support is, is, is we've got a group of officers that have anywhere between um, maybe five and, and 15 years experience on the department. And uh, when, when, we hear about these critical incidents that other officers are involved in, um, we just kind of reach out to them and, and uh, let them know that, hey, you know, 
you probably weren't thinking about this when you took the job, but this might stay with you. And if you're having kind of a little bit of trouble dealing with it, we've got other officers that don't know exactly what you're going through, but have probably been through a similar situation before. Yeah, I think mental health has been like the what a, the swear word or the taboo maybe is a better way Certainly. for such a long time. And, you know, when we, I think, met for the first time, you said something I thought was very, very interesting. Hadn't, and when you said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But <clears throat> I hadn't really considered it till you did. And you said, like, as the newer officers are coming in, you know, you have a younger group. And so they've grown up more with like mental health and counseling and support yeah, certainly. Is, is like a lot more accepted or like it's not as it doesn't have that mystique or that like um, stamp of like you're crazy. Right. To uh, And I think that like, um, is there a way to elaborate a little bit on that observation for you and maybe what have you noticed anything like the difference between like the younger and older, like how they maybe respond or their openness or anything, or is it just still something that is a hard thing to break through? Well, it's, it's something that we're still learning about. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much nails it is this, this younger generation, um, you know, mental health is, is becoming easier and easier to talk about, you know, as, as time goes on and, and, this younger generation is kind of uh, used to people checking in on them and seeing if they're doing okay. And that's something that the older generation just wasn't used to. You didn't talk about it. You, you dealt with whatever you dealt with on a daily basis and then you moved on. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I think sometimes, uh, as, as you well know, there are, are both uh, positive and negative coping mechanisms. And um, I think the older generation would kind of just cope whatever way they could. And that could sometimes cause even more problems. So, um, I, I think right now where we're at, it's it's a little bit easier to get the younger officers to want to utilize peer, peer support and see what else is out there where it's the older officers that are a little bit more difficult to get to uh, for a couple of reasons. One, like I just mentioned, it, just, it used to be something you didn't talk about. But two, um, a lot of times you get older officers that have been there for 10 or 15 years that think they've already been through everything and they, they know how to deal with everything and they don't, they maybe don't want to talk to an officer that has less time on than they do because mm -hmm. what can this officer teach me? Right. Or, you know, in, in my personal position, I'm a supervisor. Nobody wants to talk to a supervisor about <laughs> anything. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of a, a tricky barrier that we're dealing with as well. Yeah. And that leads me into the question I was going to ask is, so let's say somebody comes to you and they're having struggles. Obviously, I think the thing is the confidentiality of it. Like, who's this going to get back to and all that type of stuff? And how have you set it up, you know, or how are you trying to set it up? And so they feel a little bit more comfortable coming to someone. Yeah. And, and that's, that's been a really tough hurdle for us. And, and uh, we, we actually wrote it right into our policy. Um, as far as critical incident management goes that, you know, obviously as a law enforcement officer, there are certain things that, you know, if they are going through them, they, they cannot remain confidential. If there's a danger to the officer himself or to their family or, or something like that, then um, we need to take it a step further and, and obviously seek professional help and, and make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that a bad situation doesn't get a lot worse. But if somebody's just coming to me and, and talking to me or coming to me and wanting to utilize peer support, even if they don't necessarily want to speak to me directly about it, if I can put them in contact with one of my officers, 
Um, it is, it's written right there in the policy. It's hundred percent confidential. We don't take any notes during the, the conversation. We don't, don't document it in, in any way, shape or form um, other than the fact just on, on my end, just documenting that it is getting utilized, but no, no names, no situations or anything like that. Just so the officer feels more comfortable that, man, this isn't going to come back and bite me. They're not going to think, you know, I'm, I'm weak or can't do this job just because I'm having a little bit of trouble getting through this. It's funny. I heard, uh, honestly, in preparing for the, this podcast and talking to you, I listened to a podcast where somebody was talking to a deputy sheriff, like I think it was in Kansas, and they were talking about the idea of like, let's say that like, you know, officers really can really be in a struggle with mental health or whatever. And they're doing like you say, you know, you just deal with it. Um, and then, but it like, if you don't deal with it, it will probably come up. And they were talking about like, imagine like if your partner showed up one day and you were getting ready to like, um, enter somebody's home for whatever with a warrant and like they showed up with crutches and they were like okay you know i got this no problem i'm right behind you talking to his partner like they were trying to make the analogy of like would that be something that we would really that the other partner would really want to do or sure or even cover up for type of thing not because you know the the partner is like doing something wrong, but like, that's a thing that I know happens, but I thought it was a great analogy for like what goes on psychologically sometimes with people. Yeah, certainly. And that, that's something that I've, I've spoken with, you know, to several officers and, and especially the ones that are involved in the peer support is, um, you know, that's, that's kind of that stigma that we're trying to, to get past mental health to me, isn't any different than your physical health. So you wouldn't show up with a broken leg or a broken wrist and try and do the job every single day. Um, you can you can seek the same kind of treatment for your mental health and make sure that you're one one hundred percent good to go and not have the those little ailments to worry about. Yeah, I think that's a great point too. Is like knowing that mental health is very is just like physical health. There there's some there's usually some something wrong. There are symptoms associated with it. There's a designated treatment for it, and I think that like until you know, people get introduced to that or they somehow find a way to make contact. They don't see it the same way. They see it as like, oh, they're just going to drug me up or, oh, they're just, I'm going to go talk about, and they're going to say it's my parents' fault and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you're right. That's not what happens when you go seek treatment. Let me rephrase that. It shouldn't happen that way. Certainly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're exactly, it's just like going to you know, a doctor per se only, I think a lot of therapists may be a little bit more empathetic than doctors or mm -hmm. bedside manners a little better. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, that's, you know, I think that was an excellent point that you made about that. Um, so with, so tell me a little bit about like how you got in to the position you are, like how you got into police, being a police officer and, and, you know, the way things have evolved or, or what you've seen over that time? Um, yeah, so I've, I've been with the Daniel Police Department for about 14 years now. Um, I've kind of the, the typical childhood dream. I always thought I wanted to be in the, the law enforcement realm, um, whether it was a, a municipal, municipal police department or, or FBI or something like that. It was just I, I was that little boy that always wanted to, 
always wanted to do that. Um, eventually pursued that dream with the Naval Police Department. Um, got promoted to sergeant in uh, 2016 after I was on the on the force for about six years, and then got promoted to uh, commander, and then uh, eventually the commander position became the lieutenant position. So um, I've been in the supervisor role for uh, just over seven years now. Um, I've been working in, in uh, this critical incident management slash peer support um, capacity ever since we were, were trying to get this off the ground. Um, like I said, it was about three or four years ago when um, it was a group of us supervisors that, that kind of got together and, and recognized this need. We always had a really good um, policy and, and a really good handle on the administrative side of things, what you do when a critical incident occurs and how you handle it from the administrative side of things. What we didn't have a good handle on was what is the officer going through at that time? And, and unfortunately, um, you know, that kind of slipped through the cracks and it was, you know, we had things in place that the officers could seek if they wanted help with their mental health, but we didn't have anybody to give them that direction and specifically reach out to them and say, hey, I know you're going through this. These might be some of the kind of symptoms you're, you're going to come across or your family might notice. If this starts happening, you might want to come in and speak to me or you might want to go talk to somebody professionally and just just make sure that everything's OK. Um, you know, and, and uh, part of the reason we didn't have that in place is is. I talked to you about this before. You just you don't know what you don't know, and, and we did we really didn't realize at the time that that was something we were dropping the ball on. So again, like I said, over the last three or four years, we've kind of made a concerted effort to um, put more things in place and just make sure that we're taking care of our guys the best way that we possibly can. Yeah, like and that was where like I was really glad. I mean, I just think it, as far as like I was glad that I was able to like make contact with you. Like it, I you know one of the people here at Two Roads Wellness Clinic said, you know, here contact, I think it was um, officer, what, Deputy Chief? Deputy Chief McCord, McCord. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then he passed it on to you. And, you know, I applaud, you know, um, you know, Assistant Chief McCord, like for, like he really, you know, I felt like he really paid attention and, you know, it, it sparked an interest. And so I'm excited working with, the, the department to try to see what anything that I can provide to help for you guys. And, you know, I think that the attitude seems to be really good and really open for this to be successful for you. Like that, that second part, you say like, you know, administratively, you seem to be doing good. You, you recognize like the need for the other part. And you know, I think you said something to the effect of like, we dropped the ball. You know, I, I don't think you, people drop the ball. I don't think you guys drop the ball. It was just like sometimes you're not sure until somebody shows up and says, "Like, yeah, we can help" or or whatever, and then start that collaboration. Certainly, absolutely. And so, you know, I think that there's a really good start on something like this. Um, so, what what got you like interested in the wellness aspect? Is that something that's always been in? in your life or did it start to take on more importance after you became a, an officer? I'm, honestly, it, uh, it's just become more and more important to me over the years that I've been doing the job. And, and I think, you know, uh, one of the things I spoke about earlier is, you know, there's positive and negative coping mechanisms and you don't really know how you're going to react to some of these situations until you're in them. <clears throat> well, me personally, you know, being involved in, in some of these situations early on in my career, 
I know I didn't deal with them very well. So mm -hmm. it was a matter of trying to figure out how I could, not only how I could deal with them better myself, but I knew from that point on that there was going to be younger officers coming up behind me that were probably going to have some of the same kind of problems. So I wanted to make sure that I sought as much information and help as I could so that I could then turn around and pass that on to other people. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue with the fact of, of like the things that you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. And there are those incidents that are like really like they really go off to the, you know, the huge spectrum of it. But the other thing is, is that, uh, and I honestly, like, I hope I don't surprise you on this. I wasn't any of the questions that I kind of threw out to you before we met, but like I was reading the other day that police officers and a lot of first responders, emergency responders, like it's upwards to like 70 to 80% of the calls that you guys are getting anymore are related to mental health. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, certainly <laughs> it's, it's, it's become a, a much, much bigger deal. And we see, we see mental health crisis every single day um, on the job. And, you know, we, we've spoken about this before as well. How do you take care of the people that are supposed to be taking care of everybody right. else? You know what I mean? So, yeah. we, you know, that's, that's the other aspect of this is um, these guys don't realize and, and I didn't realize when, when I first took on this job that, you know, dealing with everybody else's issues sometimes creates issues for you, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's the, the oxygen mask analogy. Like, if you if you don't put your mask on first, uh, you can't help anybody else if you're unconscious. Exactly. So, yeah. Like I think that's a that's an excellent point. Like if the officer is you know taking care of themselves relatively well, they're going to be better in those situations. Certainly. And so I think that that's uh, I think in all of the conversations we have, like your focus on wanting the officers to be healthy. Like it's a really, it's a really good focus. And I know that, um, it does take a lot of, of work to do that. But so give me, if you could give me an example of like, um, let's say I'm an officer and I'm really struggling and say, you know, and maybe even somebody has noticed like they haven't been quite themselves on the job or, or not quite all there all the time and, and whatever, like, um, how would the process work if they finally like they knew that there was a peer support and they came to you and said, I think I'm really struggling, like as of like the way that you have been doing it and the way you envision it, like what would happen? Sure. So it's a it's a it's a very, very simple process. And, and a lot of it honestly takes place just like this podcast is taking place right now. It's it's a it's a it starts with a conversation. Um, it can be either the officer coming directly into my office and speaking to me or uh, maybe I'll I'll be made aware of an, an incident that that an officer or a group of officers are involved in. I'll be made aware of it by their supervisor saying, "Hey, this might might have some kind of effect on them over time. If you want to reach out to them and just let them know what we've got going on, what's available." Um, but regardless, it's you know either me reaching out to them or or them coming into the office and saying, "Hey, you know we had we had X, Y, or Z incident the other night, and, and uh, I haven't been able to sleep since then. I just I keep waking up. I keep seeing the same things over and over." Um, nobody else that was on that call with me seems to be saying they had any issues. You know, why, what's going on? Why is it just me? Um, and it, and it can, can start just like that. And, and so what I do from there is, is speak to them about, 
the peer support that we have, they can, you know, we can continue this conversation as many times as you want to. This, this office door is always open. If you're not comfortable speaking to me about it, I've got six other officers. You know, you can, you can talk to any one of them. Maybe you're closer to one of them and you want to talk to him, or maybe you want to talk to somebody that you don't know at all, but maybe they've been here for 12 or 13 years that, you know, they've probably got some similar instances. So we give them a, a bit of a variety. They, they can choose from, they don't always have to come in and speak to the same person or they can take a shot with each one of us and just see who's, you know, who they have the, the best rapport with. Um, so a lot of it actually falls on the officer. They've got to want to talk about it. They want, they have to want to keep coming in and doing it. And it's just a series of conversations and, and it's not, uh, you know, we don't, again, we don't pretend to know exactly what that officer is going through, but there's a pretty good chance we've been through something similar and can kind of share our experiences of this is how I dealt with it at that time. This either really worked well or it didn't work so well. And if we get to the point where, you know, maybe they're enjoying the conversations or not enjoying the conversations, but they also want to seek, you know, professional help, then we have things in place that we can direct them to um, a mental health professional and actually go and, and start seeing some, some professional counseling as well. So it's, it's kind of a, um, a process. It starts with those baby steps. And then sometimes they're like, you know, this, this sounds good. I probably need to talk about it more. Maybe I'd like to talk to, to a professional about it. Um, Cause like you said, you know, it, it's going to come out eventually one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And most of the time when you get people to realize it's okay to talk about this stuff, it feels so good for them just to talk about it and realize that they're not the only one that this is happening to, that yeah. it comes out in a much more positive way. And you make to a, a couple of points, like you answered one of the questions I was going to ask is like, you know, is how, you know, if there's pro professional house, like you guys have the resources to refer to, which you answered that question, but, the one about like the officers, like coming to someone who like knows what it's like being a police officer, because if, you know, sometimes, and sometimes that's enough, sometimes that's enough for them to be able to talk to somebody and get things resolved instead of like, oh, here, come talk to this counselor that you really don't, you can read their bio or whatever, but they may not, they may be well trained in the, techniques and things that they do, but there's still some discomfort sometimes Certainly. on it. And even when they get, if they get comfortable talking to you, it might help segue them into, because like, if you're able to say, oh, I've talked with this person before, like I've met them or, you know, we've had meetings or whatever. And I think this person will be good. Like that's going to go a long way with right. the rest of the officers. So that's, I think, like getting in that door, like it's, you know, it's similar to like that, like the 12 step programs of Alcoholics Anonymous, like, you know, they'll go talk to another person that's been through it, but tell them to go to a counselor or go to the doctor. And they're like, no, they, yeah. they aren't going to have any idea what I've been through. So I think that that's like, that's why I think the peer support program and the way that they're beginning to run throughout the country, like is like such a great idea because it can really nip things in the bud before they get out of control Absolutely. for someone and be very helpful to them. So, um, you know, I think that we have really covered, you know, uh, really the basics and what we were, you know, wanting to know about or wanting to communicate, like anything else that you, you know, think, um, 
you want to say or we didn't cover before we go before we end no not not that i can think of like i said i i really appreciate the opportunity to come in and talk to you and and uh kind of the the collaboration that we've started i think it's uh it, i know it's going to be greatly beneficial to to me and my department what we're trying to do so again I, I i appreciate you and i thank you for your work well um same for you i appreciate the work that you do every day and what you uh you know risk every day so like any any way to give back to that you know i'm all for so thanks again um probably uh maybe it, six months to a year from now we can revisit like where things have gotten to or or whatever um i think that listeners would probably be very interested in that at least i'll be interested in it i know absolutely that sounds great all right thank you again for taking your time to do this no problem thanks again to our listener for joining wellness warriors a two roads podcast and to our guest lieutenant kyle o'brien for sharing the peer support program he and other officers are implementing to assist the Danville Police Department in their mental health. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Higher Heart Radio. Make sure to follow us and share with all your friends. Again, choose the road less traveled in your wellness journey. Thanks, and we will be back next month.